0: This is the 343 Podcast. I'm your host, John Pronich. Welcome to the show. The new season has started, which means new laws are being enforced. Do you know all the new changes? More importantly, do you know why the changes were made? In this episode, Ian Lane joins me to discuss some of the bigger changes to the IFAB laws of the game. And specifically, we talk about goal kicks, handballs, dropped balls, and walls. Hopefully, this episode will help you understand some of the changes and why they were made. And if you need further clarification, please feel free to reach out to me on Twitter. You can find me by searching at that Croatian guy. You can also visit IFAB's website directly to see all of the laws, the modifications, and the clarifications that they've made. This episode of the 343 Podcast is brought to you by the 343 Premium Coaching Membership Program. This is the program that delivers you a powerful learning experience by using actual training and match footage. You also get audio lessons, eBooks, books q Q&A sessions, and exclusive members-only forums for networking with other 343 members. The proven 343 methodology is the same methodology that has powered multiple teams to development academy finals and has helped produce multiple professional and youth national team caliber players, including Alex Mendez, Uli Efra Alvarez, and Kobe Hernandez, and many more. This program can help you reduce your trial and error time and start seeing the results that you want. So if you're an ambitious coach, and if you want more from your teams, and if you want to coach possession-based soccer, this is the program for you. To sign up and start learning today, you can visit 343coaching.com. Once again, that is 343coaching.com. All right. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Ian Lane, and I hope that you learn a little bit about the laws of the game. If you have questions, please feel free to reach out. All right. Enjoy. All right. Well, let's, let's go for it. Uh, Yeah.
1: I mean, for me, the biggest one is the, is the goal kick one. Like that's that we're going to see the most happening every weekend, you know, either at least for the youth game and stuff, right? Like getting it wrong or getting it right. But watching pro teams, how that kind of changes their approach a little bit too.
0: So what are, what are the, what are the questions or what are the problems that you that you're experiencing as a coach?
1: I mean, I'm so far. I've had one uh, one game with my uh, with my teams for this season, so we haven't really gone through it too much. Um, but no, in terms of in terms of problems, like I'm I'm I think most of the referees so far are pretty aware of the goal kick one. But I'm I want to look at the referee side. I want to look at the coaching side too. So kind of looking at the impact that hey now your players can enter the penalty area during a goal kick, receive the ball inside the penalty area during a goal kick. And then what's the rule for the opposition entering the penalty area during a goal kick? They can enter as soon as the ball's played.
0: Yeah. Whenever the, whenever the ball is is kicked and clearly moves, I think is the best way to describe it. Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So I know we've talked about it a little bit at our club at uh, Los Carlos United. Like for us, this is a great rule change. This makes goal kicks a lot easier um, to build out of, especially at the younger ages where, you know, if you're playing on a grass field and it's a U10 player and, they hit the ball, it's going to take an eternity to get there, and that whole time you're going to be getting pressed. Um, Or, you know, they'll have to really telegraph where they're going to play the ball so they can kick it hard enough to get it there. If you're trying to play short, you know, they'll need a four- or five-step run-up to get it there. And if you're playing against a smart team, they'll be able to kind of read that pretty easily. So from a coaching perspective, having your, your center backs or whoever's receiving the first pass, having them be closer helps. Um, to where the ball is because obviously you can you can get it to them quicker, uh, quicker and restart the play quicker. The opposition have a little bit less time to read and react. Um, and then if you, you know, fan out your center backs to the left and the right of the goalkeeper, it also creates a better angle for them to play out to the outside back. I know some of the fields we play on, there will be, you know, maybe 10 yards of space from the edge of the penalty area to the sideline. So if your center back is receiving already almost on the sideline um, – having your outside back, you know, almost vertically in line with them creates a lot of problems for you offensively, makes it easier to press you defensively. Um, and you kind of have to find more creative ways to build out if you want to try and and play short from there. So for me, from a coaching perspective, like it, it opens up a whole lot more opportunities and it makes certain things a lot easier.
0: On that note, I'm sure that a lot of coaches that are listening have experienced the fields that aren't Uh, as wide as what you're describing so i know a lot of times especially at the younger ages you get the penalty areas that are maybe three yards from from the touchline and you know so you're you're expecting your center back to be outside the penalty area or you were expecting your center back to be outside the penalty area receive that ball and pretty much you're just only able to play a vertical pass to your outside back who's you know further up the further up the touchline and that's an incredibly narrow angle so now what you're describing is yeah, you can bring that center back inside the penalty area. And now that angle uh, to, to play out is so, so, so much better um, between and the relationship between where the central mid or central mids might be and the outside back compared to where the center back is, is is completely different uh, than, than what you would experience before, which I think, yeah, yeah, is a positive move.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, especially for, for teams to try and coach that. I know for me, like – Um, the last couple seasons I had to differentiate with the center backs about how to position themselves on goal kicks versus open play. And like, let them know like, Hey, on a goal kick, you have to run all the way over here so you can actually receive the pass. Um, but during open play, I want you to be, you know, seven yards narrower, 10 yards narrower, depending on the field and depending on the the angle, the outside back is taking and the angle pressure is coming from and all that. But like having to differentiate between those two. And now like, Hey, anytime the goalkeeper has the ball, like, you want to be looking at this, this and this and position yourself, you know, more inside or if this is happening a little bit wider, but you don't have to worry about where, you know, some arbitrary line is on the field uh, to help them with their positioning.
0: And, and to give people like a little bit of clarification that um, isn't just generally known, um, kind of like the, the spirit behind the rule change. And referees talk about this when we're in our meetings and we're getting our, our monthly trainings and whatnot. But the 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 reason behind the change was to speed the game up and, and to make the game quicker. And so you, what you kind of mentioned just a minute ago was was those things like, hey, now I don't have to run all the way. I don't have to run 15 extra yards. I, the goalkeeper doesn't have to wait to play the ball uh, here or there. The the players don't have to wait for the ball to come all the way outside the box. Um, and and to and even like a... a deeper deeper extent too nobody is saying that the that the they have to wait for the attacking players to be outside of the box either so uh and what i mean by that is that if the goalkeeper or whoever's taking the goal kick decides that they want to play sooner they have the option to play sooner just like they did before but now they take the risk too if uh, if the attacker is at least making an attempt to to leave the penalty area the attacker can now uh challenge for the ball if uh if yeah if the goalkeeper decided to to try to play it so it, it's just the, and and again the spirit of it was to try to speed up the game and a lot of people don't understand like why the rule was changed or what IFAB was thinking when when they modified the laws but that was that was the reason behind it
1: oh okay that's interesting i know like you know growing up coaching with you at, at Regetti, that was the thing you were always really big on on goal kicks was hey the bench needs to make sure the spare ball is right there next to the goal As soon as it goes out, the reaction of most players is you put your head down, you just throw your hands up in the air if you just missed a shot. And in that moment where most teams lose focus, you always coach your teams really hard to, hey, that's when we take advantage. We get that ball in play right away. And, you know, for for teams that are being coached that way already, this rule change is going to really benefit them. And the other teams that they, you know, plot along a little bit more, they're going to have to adapt
0: yeah well just imagine like a team taking a shot and missing and then the first reaction from that team is to usually number one like put their head down and like oh man i missed and then the second thing is to turn around and run back towards midfield because that's that's what that's that's where most people play the ball um for a goal kick right as they just kick the ball up towards midfield and that happens not just in youth soccer here it happens collegiately it happens professionally it happens all over the world too so i I would still say that that's probably the most common common type of goal kick is to just kick the shit out of it Um, yeah but now when you're talking about wanting to play faster so if you have uh three game balls i think that's pretty standard now in, in youth club soccer that there's three game balls one behind each goal one that we start with in the middle uh, shot goes wide goalkeeper just runs to the post to pick up the third or, or the second ball sets it down and just plays to the to the center back that was uh, you know just in the right spot inside the penalty area. Well, if the other team was just retreating towards midfield, OK, well, now they're going to get burned because the other team is able to play so much faster. And I think that's awesome. I, I and and yeah, like you said, there are going to be certain teams that take advantage of it, and there are certain teams that are going to be taken advantage of because they don't have that that awareness, they don't have that mentality, and they don't have that training to to be switched on in that moment. So the teams that are trained to be switched on are going to have a massive advantage now, which is beautiful.
1: Yeah, and speaking of the training, one thing I don't I haven't watched a Bayern game in uh, in a little while, but one thing that always stood out to me about Neuer was. You can tell he must, like, train the ball boys at the Bayern uh, home mm-hmm. games because anytime time the ball went out, he would turn around and a ball would hit him in, a, in the chest, you know, within literally half a second. So the ball boy had one ready, and he knew that Neuer wanted just a chest pass right at him the moment the ball left play. So like when you talk about training, like obviously like in a professional environment, it's a little bit different than like even what I'm working in every weekend with just the three game balls. You have more game balls, you have all the, the ball boys and stuff, but like that's something that, yeah, that, that has to be trained and your ball boys need to be on the same page too, like at, at that level.
0: No, it's, I mean, there's, there's all kinds of clips, right? The most famous one is probably the ball boy that, that kept the ball from, uh, from Hazard. When, yep. when Hazard was on Chelsea and Hazard ended up kicking him in the stomach or whatever it was. But yeah, it's yeah. like yeah, they're they're totally in on it and and it's all it's all part of it. But yeah, teams need to be trained and switched on and and it's not just and it's not just the goalkeeper and the two center backs, it's everybody needs to be switched on because you know, in that moment, if an opportunity presents itself for a goalkeeper to play that ball, now it's not short if, if the opportunity is to play it long because you've played maybe two, three, four short ones and the other team's catching on. Okay, maybe the attacking mid is the player that's on next or maybe the winger is the one that's on next. So everybody needs to be switched on, but it comes from, from training it and rehearsing it, and, and I can't emphasize that enough.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then that idea of, like, if you're able to build short and the other team recognizes it and they start to press high, now you have more opportunities to build long. So just having the, the quicker restart, being able to get it to the center backs quicker at a at a better angle, like it, it opens up everything, not just the short game, but the long game too.
0: one thing that that comes to my mind is that people really freaked out about this law change. And from everything that I've witnessed so far, I mean, starting with the U-20 World Cup, because they were the ones that implemented it a little bit before the IFAB date um, uh, to, to officially start enforcing these new laws went into effect. They, they started it in May. And I believe a women's tournament did it earlier in the year, too. I think they may have used it in the She Believes Cup. Um, but people were so freaked out about this. Is like, oh my God, Like I'm gonna have to change everything. It's like, no. You don't have to. You don't really have to change anything at all. Like if if you uh, if you have like a possession uh, possession based uh, way of, of playing, this is beautiful for you. This is absolutely perfect for you. Not, nothing should change for you, um, except for yeah, just moving your players five or ten yards inside the penalty area. Uh, and, and people that are freaking out, I think, are are. Um uh, man, I don't I don't wanna be mean or rude, but it's just like they are they're still learning probably how they want their teams to play and they're they're thinking that this is gonna impact, you know, so much, so much, so much more than it really does. It's like this this is not that big of a of a change when when you really think about it.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I, I haven't seen too many people freaking out. I know like at our club, like some of the coaches that have been asking questions about, hey, like what does this change for us? And like I said, for me, I always had to differentiate between kind of the positioning I wanted the players to have during goal kicks versus like open play when the ball didn't have to leave the penalty area. And now it's like, all right, great. I can just eliminate that extra 10 yards. They had to back up from goal kicks, but you know, nothing else changes.
0: Yeah. Um, what are, what are some of the other changes that as a coach you're aware of or you're experiencing for the, for the first time?
1: Um, Again, I've, I've only had the one game for my season so far. So the handball rule, I know they've kind of changed the wording on that, and that's always changing, and it's always open to interpretation. But like just one little thing I saw in the um, Netherlands-Germany uh, game the other day, I can can't—I think it was a World Cup qualifier.
0: Euro, um, Euro Cup.
1: Euro Cup, that's right. Um, now, pretty much any time the ball touches your hand inside the penalty area, it's going to be given as handball and a penalty now, Right. Like that's is, well, is that
0: the that is that is not the way the law is written, but it is certainly the way that the law has been interpreted at oh. the highest level several times on a big stage. So the way the, so, so so some of the changes that were made to that law were meant to eliminate that type of situation that happened the other day in Germany versus the versus the Netherlands. So for people that haven't seen it, you can go watch it on YouTube. Um, it, basically a German player uh, tried to, uh, or attempted to cross the ball and it hit off of a Netherlands player. I think that was maybe sliding on, the, on the ground and it hit yep. off the uh, hit off the person's body or leg and then popped like straight up in the air. And then the, the Netherlands player kind of like unknowingly was like, he, he, he stood up, the ball was still in the air, and the ball came down and hit him on the hand. So intentional? Probably not. Um, and and actually, I should say that they, uh, I think they got rid of the word intentional in, uh, in the law, and probably not even last year. I think they got rid of that years years before. Um, and they started to replace it with things like natural position and unnatural position and, and the body's uh, natural silhouette and, and things like this, which are all very confusing. Um but yeah, it was, it was pretty much meant to... Uh, the changes were pretty much meant to eliminate things like that. Like, okay, it bounced off of a different body part and then it hit my hand and I wasn't aware and I didn't have time to react to it. The only thing I can think of in that case is that because the ball did take so long to come down and hit him on the hand, like it, it was you know slightly delayed, is that maybe the referee is saying, um, you know, I, I believe that the player had enough time to react to that. And... That's the referee's call. I also don't remember if the referee initially called for a penalty, and then went to VAR, and maybe there was just no not enough evidence to overturn uh, uh, yeah. to overturn the call. So the referee, you know, the mistake could have been, and 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 this happens quite often, right? Is that the, the mistake could have been that the referee's initial call has, was handball, and that there was no significant evidence to overturn that, and and to say uh, indirect kick going the other way for uh, for the stoppage so yeah that's a that's a, it's a very interesting one and i'm sure like a lot of the calls too um like the uh what was the other stupid one that the ifab it took him like two weeks to make a ruling on the one where the goalkeeper played it to uh his center back and then the center back like f- uh, flicked it up to him or something like that and the goalkeeper oh yeah. yeah yeah so it only took like it only took ifab like two weeks or three weeks to respond to that and, and make sure everybody knows that that's that's not that's not going to be happening anymore. Um, and, and I'm sure that with this new handball stuff, it's going to continue to evolve and, and IFAB going to see that and they're going to be like, okay, like that's not, w- w- that's not in the spirit of the game to, to start, you know, awarding handballs for these types of situations. So I imagine that being addressed fairly quickly, but who knows? We'll see. I don't know. Yeah.
1: I mean, obviously it's always different at the, at the pro level versus, you know the the youth level that that I work at, in terms of like being able to access video review and all that stuff.
0: Let me give me give me one second. I'm gonna reach in my backpack and I'm gonna grab uh, the actual notes about handball. Uh huh. All right, so I have. Uh, what is this called so it's called 2019 2020 laws of the game modifications handball considerations is what this thing is called and there's probably let's see five 10 15 maybe 20 bullet points on this sheet and um yeah so so some of the the biggest ones i guess would be uh, did the player touch the ball with their hand or arm while making their body unnaturally bigger? So the unnaturally bigger part is like your hands and this is the example that uh, ifab continues to give is like your hands are above your shoulders like that is that is completely unnatural or your or your arms are, are outstretched wide. Um, that's completely unnatural. So if there's ever uh, an occurrence of like the ball hitting your hand that is you know outstretched or above your head, times out of 10 that's going to be called as a handball um there are
1: funny language to me like unnatural right like obviously if you're if you're jumping up for a header it's perfectly natural to have your arms out to balance yourself to battle for the ball so and that's that's, always always, the word choice right is always interesting
0: and that's and that's why they are trying to go to a more they're, they're trying to eliminate words actually when when uh When it comes to this, and and it's probably going to change again next year. But there's another example that comes to my mind. Uh, It was in the Gold Cup actually, and it was Panama versus Jamaica, and so right on top of the penalty area, right inside the penalty area, actually, um, a ball gets played in. Two players go up to to challenge for it with their heads. Jamaican player gets there first, and it like it just barely flicks off of his head. And the Panama player had jumped, so he, like you described, had you know used his arms, and so his arms, his right arm was kind of just uh, at shoulder height. But the ball had ricocheted off of the Jamaican player's head, hit the Panama player's hand. Referee awards a penalty. And again, this could be one of those instances where you know his initial call in the field was penalty, and then he goes to VAR. And actually, they weren't using VAR in Gold Cup. Oof. That's okay. So that's different. So yeah. So so the referee in that case just you know he had to make a decision. So uh, he he decided handball. But in the considerations, let me see if I can find it. Um, uh, shit. Yeah. So uh, did the ball touch the player's hand, arm directly uh, from the head, body, foot of another player, and the player gained possession of the ball? No, that's not it. There's basically I can't find it exactly, but something about like if you don't have enough time to react and it's off of deflection that was like you know too close to you to for you to uh, to react and move your hand or your arm, it's not supposed to be called as a handball. Uh, If you are a defender, is even uh, like the further clarification to that. So um, if you are an attacker and the ball hits your hand accidentally, unnaturally, whatever, like all those things get thrown out the window. If it creates a scoring opportunity or an attacking opportunity for your team. So, so that's the, that's the, the two sides of it. So the defending side is supposed to have a little bit more leniency. So if a ball unnaturally hits your, or if a ball accidentally hits your hand inside the penalty area, you are not supposed to be punished for it. Uh, if the ball accidentally hits your hand and creates a scoring opportunity for you or your team, then you are supposed to be punished for it.
1: Okay. Maybe that's what I had mixed up. Like not that it's automatically a penalty of you for defending, but it's automatically like they're supposed to rule out a, a, a play or, or a goal. Obviously, if it results in a scoring chance, if it hits an attacker. So maybe that's what I was thinking of.
0: So any, any goal scored uh, where the last body part that it touches is the hand <laughs> should be ruled out. Uh, from now on, I, I mean, it should have been before too, but um, but now that that's written in the laws of the game. Um, the other one is yeah, if if the ball at any point hits your hand and then creates a, an attacking or a goal scoring opportunity for for your team, the referee is supposed to stop play and, and award a, a handball or a free kick for for the opponent. And and again, another another good example of that would be. Uh, Copa America, this last, this most recent edition, so 2019. Uh, Chile had a game. I can't remember who they were playing. It's going to kill me. Um, anyways, a ball gets played in the box, uh, hits a, a Chilean player's hand, and drops right to arturo Vidal, and Vidal like rips a shot, scores a goal. Referee uh, referee doesn't have to restart play right away, so they just they chill for a little bit. VAR does its thing. The referee goes over to watch it, sees it hit the player's hand, dropped right to Vidal. That's what created the scoring opportunity. No goal. So that was the uh, uh, an occurrence of the referee getting it correct. So you you'll you will see more of that. I think it even happened. Did it happen to Man City the first weekend in the Premier League? I think. Is, I think you know, so. Were they the ones yeah. that got screwed by it, or like hit I'm somebody sure. hit somebody's pinky and then dropped to a player I, and they scored?
1: I'm pretty sure. I'm trying to think who scored it. Um, uh, see, I can't even remember. Might have been, might have been Jesus, from yeah. a corner, yep. and it like it like grazes a guy's pinky, yep. bounces off another guy, and then he smashes it home.
0: Yep. And so, so here, and here's the thing that's going to come into play at some point, or or that people should keep uh, should keep in the back of their minds, especially on the on the on the youth soccer fields, especially. At low level games, um, a lot of coaches have to realize that they're that they're coaching at a very very low level. It's not professional. You shouldn't expect the referees to be, um, you know, professional level referees when you have U ten, U eleven, U twelve, U thirteen kids playing on the field. Um, so that's that's my little preamble for that. But um, you have to keep in mind, you know, what is the spirit of the law. So if the if the if for instance, right, a referee. Uh, sees a handball or sees a ball touch touch the defender's hand in the penalty area and he deems it to be like that accidental or he deems it to be the player was in a natural position um, or he deems it to be the player had no time to react because the play was too close to the player's hand. So in the spirit of the game, in the spirit of the law, the referee should not award a penalty kick. So coaches should not be arguing for those types of things or expecting those types of things to be given as penalty kicks. Now, again, in the spirit of the game or spirit of the law, if your hand creates a scoring opportunity for your players, you should expect to be punished. So if at any point, it, you know, the the ball uh, accidentally hits your hand, but then drops your foot and you take a shot, you should be, you should be uh, aware that in the spirit of the game, your hand should not be involved in creating a scoring opportunity and you should be punished for that those are the two sides of the coin and i think it's really important for coaches to understand that so that way they're not you know wasting time arguing about it with the referees
1: yeah i mean it's always i remember being uh when i was a younger referee i haven't repped in years but yeah (laughs) i forgot you listen yeah (laughs) that's how we first met dude
0: i know yeah that's crazy
1: yeah um but that was always like frustrating when like it'd be you know, some, not necessarily, I wouldn't even call it, the, you know, a finer point of the game, but something pretty basic and coaches are arguing about this or that. I mean, the most obvious one is high kicking. You know, some kid will be all alone in the corner and lift his leg up in the air or he'll be, you know, five yards from the nearest opponent and his foot goes high and everyone's yelling, high kicking, high kicking. It's like, no, that's not what the rule is, dude. Sorry.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and it still, it still happens to this day. And, and you, I mean, you said even uh, like five yards away. It can be one yard away and and still not be called. It could be a half yard away and still not be called because what it what it really is 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 dangerous play or did did uh, did did you endanger an opponent? And so if you have uh, if you have your foot up, you know shoulder height, but it doesn't endanger anybody, then yeah, then play on. Like it's 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 one hundred percent fine. Yeah, um, and, and playing on and the
1: ground, same thing.
0: Same thing, yeah. Like if you slide. And, you know, then you take a couple extra kicks or whatever while you're on the ground, no problem. Like if it didn't endanger anybody, if it, if, if, you know, nobody had to, you know, go out of their way to avoid you or to not hurt you as well. A lot of times uh, players don't realize that it's it's part of their own safety. You know, if you're the player that slid and then all of a sudden, uh, you know, players are having to jump over you or avoid you or, or, or change the way that they're reacting to the ball because you're on the ground, that can be considered dangerous play as well. Um, so yeah, but, but yeah, people don't understand that it, it's dangerous play and it gets, you know, it gets people all riled up for all the wrong reasons, but yeah, there's been no changes to that one for, for quite a while that I can think of, but yeah,
1: yeah I, don't, I don't think so.
0: Yep. Um, let's see. So we did handball. We did the, the goal kicks. What else? What are some of the other changes?
1: Um, oh, I just had one on my head. Um, now, anytime the ball hits the referee, yeah, uh, yeah, what's the restart now?
0: Yeah, drop ball to the to the team that at last had possession, or or basi- basically, it's the it's the team that kicked it at the referee.
1: I was just gonna say, if so, if I'm a defender and I'm sliding in and I poke it away and it hits the referee in the ankle, that would be my team's possession if I was the defender.
0: Yes, yes, that's the way. That's the way that it should be. And it's so funny too. Because, so I went to a college um, a NISOA training. Uh, before the college season started, and and uh, we were kind of going over some of the new law changes and what NISOA has adopted, and and so junior college, uh, the junior college or community college circuit, and and D one, D two, whatever is different. Uh, they one pretty much applies like a USSF slash high school like hybrid type of rule. NISOA has its own rule book. Um, USSF like youth youth club, uh, U.S. Soccer youth club has its own interpretations of the rules. So at any given moment or any given, any given week, a referee could be applying, you know, four different versions of the laws of the game, which is super confusing. Wow. Um, And then you throw in high school soccer in there too. It's like, okay, so there's five, um, I referee arena soccer. There's another set of rules. Um, yeah, so it's, it's kind of crazy, but, um, anyways, uh, the, the instructor of that course, um, (laughs) is the is the guy that famously got his uh his book ripped in half by clint dempsey after giving dempsey a red card in the sounders timbers game um it's just a little fun fact uh yeah so he he was talking about how you don't need to go looking for these these types of things like you will know like when 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 one of these new law changes or like when one of these new things happens like like it'll it'll feel wrong or it'll feel right And, and you don't need to go out there like searching for these types of things so yeah, like the, the, the ball, the ball hitting you or whatever, there's some, there's some things that go into that. Right. So if it, if it changes possession, so if, um, if the ball is played by, by team a and accidentally hits the referee and then it goes to team B, okay, stop play. And team a gets the ball back. No problem. Um, same thing if it like creates a, um, an attacking opportunity. So say the ball, like, uh, say the ball hits me and then creates an opportunity for the same team to, to go and attack. Okay. No problem. You stop play, bring it back and you award a drop ball for that team because now the defense was put at a disadvantage. So there's a little bit of protection in there for that as well. Um, If for whatever reason, the ball hits you and goes back to the team that had possession and nothing really was created out of it. No problem. Just play on no big deal. Uh, referee I don't think should give the advantage sign there but maybe just say play 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 something like that so
1: oh really so it's not mandatory that they stop it
0: no so there's there's yeah there's there's some uh, verbiage in there that doesn't require it to be stopped so yeah like again so if it creates an attacking a top or attacking opportunity or uh changes possession um are like the two the two big things there so like if uh you know for example, right? I'll, I'll give you a crazy uh, – uh, no, maybe I won't give you a crazy one. But, yeah, in the defensive half, uh, a center back plays um, – tries to play a ball to the holding mid. It hits the referee, and it goes back to the center back that initially played the pass. No defenders were pressuring him. It didn't create an attacking opportunity. Nothing. Okay, no problem. Play on. Um, the, first, uh, the first example I remember – of the law being uh, of that, of that being used was in the U 20 world cup. And I believe it was actually a USA game. And I believe it was Paxton Pomichol, uh, who had the ball. Let's see. He would have been on the left side, just outside the penalty area. And he tried to make a pass into a forward that was kind of like in the D, like the top of the, uh, on top of the 18. And it, Hit the referee, and oh man, I'm trying to remember exactly what happened next. I think it hit the referee. Went to yeah, must have changed possession there. But there was a there was a super long delay in the referee actually calling it and bringing it back because I think the referee because it was you know probably his first time calling that uh, maybe maybe he didn't realize it. So it was probably like a five second delay that the referee allowed play to kind of go on. And see what was going to happen, and then he brought it back and just did a drop ball. And so the other part of this is that there's no more contested drop balls. It's um, yeah, whoever had possession last is given possession of the ball, and all all players are, are instructed to be four yards away from from the dropped ball. And once the drop once the ball is dropped, it's live. So then they can challenge from four yards away, which I haven't really seen anybody like go all out challenging yet um, but I imagine it should be happening soon but again so like the spirit of this is, is to get rid of a lot of like this um, uh, the way that I think teams have just been conditioned to you know just play the ball back to the other team it's like okay well if, if you know if we're just going to give possession back if we're just going to drop it to the opponent and they're just going to give it back to to the other team no matter what let's just give it to the team where 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 the play was stopped instead of you know Somebody dropping a ball in their attacking half and then kicking it all the way back to the opponent's goalkeeper. It's like, no, that's not where the play was when when they lost their when they lost possession of the ball. Let's drop it in their attacking half and give them the ball in the attacking half. So that was kind of like the spirit behind that behind that change, and um, I I don't imagine that being too controversial or anything in the future, unless. Um, there is an instance or an occurrence of this inside of the penalty area, which makes it super interesting. So uh, inside the penalty area, the ball, if if there's a dropped ball, it automatically gets dropped to the goalkeeper. So there are no contested uh, drop balls inside the penalty area. There are also no attacking, basically, drop balls inside the penalty area. And this will definitely piss a lot of people off if there's uh something that happens inside the penalty during an attacking move and and the restart the proper restart would have been a drop ball well then it's now it's getting dropped to just the goalkeeper and we'll see what happens with that um
1: anyway. i mean most most of the time for drop balls you're giving a drop ball if maybe there's a player down injured that that was the result of like not a foul and they're doing it for player safety right that would be is would you say that's most drop ball occurrences
0: most drop ball occurrences um yes there are some other things like outside well so they they change some of the stuff like outside interference and um and, and those types of things um dude, there's it, some, there's some crazy there's some crazy verbiage in there now like if uh <laughs> this is stuff that you would never think would happen but because it has it's now made its way into the rule book like if a if a goalkeeper takes a shoe off and throws a shoe at the ball it's considered a handball <laughs> it's like what um so so there's like little crazy things like that or if a if a trainer throws a water bottle on the field it's considered a foreign object um foreign objects if if foreign objects interfered with play prior uh to recent years i believe was considered a drop ball Uh, but now they've they've restructured that verbiage to uh um, allow for direct and indirect kicks if there's things like that happening which is Mm -hmm. you know you would you would never imagine these things happening right but they happened and they've made it they've now made their way into the rule book which is crazy so
1: Mm -hmm. yeah just the reason i say that like most of the time like you know, a, a kid's down injured, and he's holding his shin and crying because he went into a challenge, and referee didn't see a foul. If the play progresses uh, to the penalty area, you know, usually most referees will kind of let the play go through because it'll be out of the penalty area, in and in a second or two, there'll be a shot or a clearance or whatever. So, you know, it'd be a pretty interesting circumstance for a referee to decide to stop play or whatever in that moment, the ball's in the penalty area. So. You know, but like you said, not maybe ninety nine percent of those moments will be avoided. But the one moment where it does happen, it's going to be uh, huge news if an attacking player or uh, you know, if, if a really promising attacking move is, is killed and just given to the goalkeeper.
0: Yeah. So, the, the, and the one I'm thinking of, there there was an example that happened on like May thirtieth or May thirty first or something like that, uh, just before the Ithab laws changed, and and that wouldn't have mattered um, because the season would have finished out with the with the rules that it started with. Um, but it was, a, I think, a German, like, second division or something like that. And uh, and um, the ball goes all the way down to the end line. like a little kind of like scrum happens, referee gets a little bit too close to play, and the ball somehow hits the referee and goes in the goal, okay? Because the, they were using the 2018-2019 laws, the goal stood. Yep. And, and, you know, that's that's just how it was. Uh, but if it would have been this year, so 2019, 2020, the goal would have been disallowed and the ball would have been dropped to the goalkeeper and, and play would have you just continued immediately. So, yeah, and, and again, that goes back to kind of like what the spirit of the game and why some of the law changes are, are or why some of the laws are the way they are. Like the, the referee should never score a goal. Like the bottom line if the, if the ball hits the referee that should never ever ever be awarded a goal so that will never ever happen again if the ball hits the referee inside the penalty area it goes in the goal it's always going to be dropped to the goalkeeper which sucks for the attacking team right so say the referee gets in the way of a shot and you know it was clearly going in it hits the referee drop ball to the goalkeeper but the referee should never be in that position anyways shouldn't be theoretically but yeah makes sense Yep. Yep. Um, let's see what else. Is there any, any, any other ones?
1: No, it's just that, that the the uh, drop ball one is interesting for me. Cause I, you know, I, I wasn't up to date on, on all those details about what should be happening. Um, you know, I knew there shouldn't be contested drop balls anymore. I, I didn't know the the finer details of that it should be awarded, you know, to the team that had possession. Yep um but i knew there were no more contested drop balls and in, in a recent game we had um the referee stops the play for something a kid was out injured he was going to restart and have the two kids you know contest a drop ball and just whack at each other um and i'm like no no hey well you know there shouldn't be any more contested drop balls right and the referee didn't seem to know the new rule uh, so i said we would kick it back to the other team the other team had clearly never done a drop ball like this or had a <laughs> big coached or whatever so of course We play it back to their guy. One guy drops. This this happened probably literally like on the halfway line. One kid dropped back 15 yards. We play it right to him, you know, not really pressuring him. You know, he kind of looked up. His eyes got big. He's All the rest of his teammates were waiting on the halfway line, just kind of watching him all along with the ball. He turns around, plays it 35 yards back to his goalkeeper then our forwards kind of move up to start pressing and the other team still doesn't know what to do. The goalkeeper kicked it right to us and then we scored. So it's like, you know, all that could have been avoided if the referee had properly restarted the play there. And, you know, at least at the youth level, obviously I don't think IFAB is, is designing this with 10 and 11 year olds in mind. Um, but a lot of that could have been prevented if the, the drop all just been done correctly.
0: Well, it's funny you mentioned that because I, I do think that IFAB is, is developing a lot of their law changes with youth, uh, in mind but not necessarily the American youth game because mm. for the most part around the world they follow a very very um, similar version to uh, professional leagues as far as like even like with substitutions and 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 um, punishments and things like that they're actually adding in um, a lot of people don't know this because it'll never it'll never hit American soccer I don't I don't believe. Um, but in the IFAB laws of the game, there they have instituted sin bins, so it's kind of like a like hockey style, like um, like two minute or three minute warnings or, or like sitting out periods. Um, you know, in, in place of yellow cards or red cards or, or something like that. But, you know, because we don't use them here, I'm, I'm not too familiar with how other youth leagues across Europe or across South America are, are implementing this, but like sin bins was a big change that they made to, to youth soccer. Um, this last, this last go around. Um, and I'm super curious to learn more about it. It's just, I haven't seen it. I don't, I, we haven't studied it. We haven't ta- even talked about it in here in American soccer.
1: Would you say that they're using you soccer for for the Cimb thing, almost like a, a testing ground to see if that's something they want to implement with the full professional game?
0: It's a good it's a good question. So, um, my my initial reaction is I have no idea. Um, but what I can tell you, and 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 what people should probably know, is that testing out rules is actually a big part of, be, uh, of making a rule change. So they will select, IFAB will select like a testing ground, uh, be it a league or, a, a tournament or, um, a, an age group or something like that. And they will test out all these new rules and they will use the referees in that, uh, in that area, um, or in that league or in that tournament to, uh, to, to, to work all all, work out all the kinks and before it hits the rule book these things have gone under massive testing and massive scrutiny from the players the coaches the clubs the referees themselves the evaluators assessors everybody so it's not like people are uh, like just sitting around at a table and like hey you know let's add this in next year and they're like okay let's do it it's like there's a lot of research and a lot of time that goes into changing a law and you know do they get it right every single time i don't know but uh, it, it all kind of goes back to, you know, the default needs to be, you know, what is, what is in the spirit of the game? Like what is the best for the game? And so if you see a referee, you know make a decision that, you know, may or may not fall into, uh, in, into like, uh, the, the right ruling, he might just be defaulting to you know, what, what is the, you know, in the spirit of the game type thing. That's, I know how Mm -hmm. a lot of referees still think. So, um, like what, what, what is best for the game right now? And yeah, I don't know. I think it's just important for people to hear that. Agreed. Yeah. Um, man, I feel like that there's like, there's still a ton more. A lot of the law changes for this most recent year were VAR related. Um, there's like a whole big old thing about VAR, but yeah, a lot of youth coaches don't use it. I've personally never used it. So I can't really speak directly about, uh, the use of it. Um, the only other, other change I think that people will start experiencing is going to be the players in the wall. So just if, if, uh, the opponents decide to set up a wall with, I think it's three or more players, um, then, then your, your own attacking team or the attacking team has to be one yard away from the wall. So you'll see referees start to enforce that again. It's not a huge deal. Um, you know, it'll it'll take some reaction, or or, or um, it'll take some training for how you want to you know design your free kicks if you're if you're designing your free kicks and things like that. But I think in the spirit of the game, I think it's it, it was again intended to speed things up and to get rid of those moments of players kind of just uh, fighting in the wall and trying to fight for space and pushing and shoving and whatever. So I think in the spirit of the game, that that's what it was um, intended to. Eliminate, it wasn't intended to give an advantage or or take away an advantage from anybody in those moments. So I think that's important yeah. for people to know.
1: One interesting thing that I've tried to experiment a little bit, I probably don't spend enough time with my teams on direct free kicks, but you know, really working to screen the keeper. And I know that was yep. one thing that players would do in the wall is, you know, you stand immediately in front of the wall or immediately behind it and make sure you're aligned so that the goalkeeper can't see the ball. And, you know, as a former goalkeeper, it makes it difficult to time your reaction if you can't see the ball come off the foot because, you know, most of the time in a game, you read the body language, the angle they approach the ball at, the timing they hit the ball, the part of the foot they they hit the ball with, and you use all that stuff. And like, you're not thinking about it, but your body's trained to react a certain way when the ball comes off the foot. So if you miss that moment, it slows down your reactions a lot. Um, so I know, I know I've seen a few teams uh, with the new rule changes about the wall. They'll set up a screen in front of the opposing wall now, you know, so they will be nine yards away from the ball and make sure they're lined up, you know, two of them or three of them or one of them, however many they want just to make sure they can screen the wall, uh, or sorry, screen the keeper that way. Um, so I I think that'll be kind of an interesting thing that I want to try and work in for my teams this season is, um, you know, setting up that screen, but being aware of the, of the rule change there.
0: Yeah. It's funny too. Uh, I, I frequently like will will chime in with, um, or uh, I mentioned Taylor Twelman and his analysis, uh, of some of the law changes. Cause he's done a pretty decent job of getting it right while he's on air while on ESPN. And then with this, with this new, um, wall change and everything like that, he tried to like overanalyze the situation and, and make it seem like this, this law is like the reason why, um, you know, these players are standing in all these different positions. And I was just thinking about, it. I'm like, it's absolutely incorrect Taylor. Like, no, like it has nothing to do with why the players are standing like at the far post or in an offside position or, or all these different types of things. And he was trying to just attribute it to, you know, that law change being the reason why that a team had, you know, completely redesigned its free kick. I believe it was like Atlanta. You Uni- no, it wasn't an MLS game. It was an international game. I can't remember who it was, but, um, Yeah. So again, like it's, it's a change and, and like you kind of just said, like, you know, if you want to, to, you know, use it as a, as, as a way to kind of change the way that you operate cool, but it's obviously, or it's honestly not that massive of a change that, you know, it's going to impact the way that you need to coach or train your teams. It's just a moment of, of the game that, um, it's pretty, I mean, significant because free kicks are obviously significant and, and those things are significant. But that change of having to just move one player or two players is, is not, in my opinion, like game changing. So,
1: yeah, agreed. Agreed.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, no no, advantage or disadvantage, I would say, um, gained or lost, in, in my opinion. But, yeah. Um, all right. Anything else? Anything else about rules or, or changes or? Anything that you think that you would need to know or other coaches or players or parents need to know?
1: No, like you said, I, uh, I, you know, a lot of the ones are VAR related and not something that, uh, that families will have to see too much. Um, the, the goal kick one is a little bit interesting for me. Um, but yeah, the other ones, the, the drop ball stuff, the handball stuff, parents, coaches, referees, like there's so many, um, not arbitrary, but uh, subjective decisions that are made on those plays already that, you know, I think people that are clueless will still continue to be clueless and (laughs) you can only clarify so much. And like you said, as long as the referee is kind of acting within the spirit of the law and and doing what feels right in the moment, like, I think that's what, what most people are looking for. And, you know, hopefully, hopefully referees will continue to do that. And hopefully coaches will, will recognize that that's what most referees are trying to do. You know, nobody's trying to,
0: ruin a game for you <laughs> yeah no it's like uh, the the most common complaint uh, that we hear is like you you blew it for me referee or, or you you wanted the other team to win or you were helping out the other team it's like I've refereed for 20 years I've never once had a conversation with another referee that we were gonna sabotage a game and, and make make one team lose um, you know so the it's the most common complaint is that you gave that you gave the other team the game it's like we didn't we 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 honestly did not. so you can throw that argument out the window um, and and, yeah, just I don't know that 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 irks me when people say that. so,
1: yeah, absolutely. and when whenever something like that comes up with my teams, um, you know and, and I'll address it immediately with the parents not just for the referees but for the players too like to be in the mindset of hey someone else is controlling your destiny that's not a good mindset for a team or a player to be in that's not a good mindset for a person to be in in life either is that someone else is controlling your destiny like no hey sure maybe the referee like we saw one thing and he saw another and he made a certain call but you know what about uh, the three plays that we messed up here what about this moment where we weren't focused you know Um, what about the fact that hey we we missed five kids at training this week and we weren't on the same page defending that corner kick in the first half you know like all of those things like no you you control your own destiny it's not up to anybody else and to have that mindset at all like is, is weakness for me
0: I like it I'm writing that down right now all right all right I think that's it Ian I wanted 20 minutes and we got an hour
1: Not bad,
0: dude. Not bad. Yeah, not bad. All right. Thank you for listening to another episode of the 343 podcast. I also want to leave you with one note from one of our members of the 343 coaching education program. His name is Thomas, and he's been a member for quite a while. And this is what he had to say. If you want to play insanely good with your team and start to understand the possession and positional game, this will give you a head start. I have tried the material on three ordinary teams. And after a year, they totally dominate the local teams. After two years, they are among the best in the region. The Program 343 offers is not a complicated curriculum. It's actually simpler than you might think. But instead of more, you have to go deep in every detail. Thomas, thank you so much for that beautiful review, and I hope that everybody else finds that valuable if you want more information about the 343 coaching education program the program that helps support and fund this podcast you can visit 343coaching.com all right we'll catch you guys next time here on the podcast thank you so much for listening